0: podcast episode seven how you doing all yeah i'm all good
1: thanks uh how are you yeah good good weather check weather check huh uh yeah Uh, yeah, it's not bad to be fair but um tomorrow is supposed to be awful so it's just on and off uh good good and bad weather what about you crap brother here um really yeah
0: cold as hell um rained a bit also today but uh but yeah, um, just, is, we just wanted to say, yeah, go on, go on.
1: Is Belgium quite like inconsistent, like England or is it like, is this just unusual? Uh,
0: it depends honestly. Like I think inconsistent cause it can be like super warm and like summer like weather and then it can be like the next week it can be like cold.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. So it actually happened I think this year, but, um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to thank everyone, uh, who sent their questions in, uh, on last week's episode, uh, and we'll cover these in the Rocket League videos. Um, and a note on that, we're just wondering um, if we were going to post those Rocket League videos on Spotify, uh, an app podcast, because we think what we cover is actually quite interesting and quite funny. But the only downside is that we'd have the the game uh, audio in the background, so that could be like a downfall of just listening to the audio. Um, mm-hmm. But we we thought of that idea because um, it can be annoying sometimes to go on YouTube and just put like the phone in your pocket whilst you're walking and stuff, uh, like having to load YouTube up. So so yeah, do let us know if this is something you guys be will be
1: interested in, uh, and we can we can do that. But, uh, yeah, because some of the content we cover in those Rocket League episodes, like we actually enjoy like more than the original podcast because it's like it's asking each other questions and like hypothetical situations and yeah that's sort of the stuff we do anyway in our spare time Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah um if you do want that yeah let us know but uh today's an exciting episode because it's uh it's our first guest episode uh we've been waiting a while we we was actually going to hold off until season two but uh this person reached out and uh we thought why not just get some guests on and uh and yeah um, yeah, so
0: so before we dive into it, I thought it, was, uh, it could be a good idea to just give a little brief introduction to this person, to this mysterious person. <laughs> but um, so here we go. I hope I hope I do you justice. So his name is Seb Jonker. Uh, so he lives in Belgium. I believe he has Irish origins. Uh, I'm not sure. Yes, I, I can see the nods. <laughs> um, he went to the European School of Brussels with me in Uccle. Uh, so so we're quite familiar with each other, but all the others know. Um know. So Seb plays rugby union, uh, and he's played all his life, and he also plays sevens. Um, he plays at Azub, uh, which is a club in Waterloo, which is where we're from. Um, and he's represented Belgium several times, so, uh, so he does play quite high level. Um, and uh, he's kind of visited different countries uh, whilst playing. Um, I think it's quite a common thing uh, here in Belgium. Uh, to kind of go to different countries and uh well i'll just i'll just stop there i'll let him talk about it in a minute um but yeah so he's also um he's been involved in coaching since he was 16 um and he's currently coaching two rugby teams so one under 18s local school team uh and uh under 10s based team in brussels uh, and he's currently doing a marketing degree in night classes so uh so yeah seb Welcome to the podcast.
2: We're super happy to to have you here. I mean, obviously it's a bit awkward, but thanks for having me. Um, <laughs> yeah I mean the representing Belgium thing is a bit is it might be a bit of a push uh i was I was in the youth's teams um played a few games uh with you know the nice jersey and all that, but uh never actually played senior level uh international rugby yeah um. Yep. Otherwise, yeah, no, I mean, I don't play much sevens anymore, but I still do coach sevens so so yeah, I'm still quite involved in it, but otherwise, I think it's fairly accurate
0: yeah i would say you'd represented it like in yeah. youth categories, like I'd say like in football if uh, if like a youth played for their like for England, for example, I'd say they they'd represent it, so don't discredit your achievements there, <laughs> but um,
2: but yeah, i i, hope, know, I, hope... I mean it's it's. Just... You know, it's it, yeah. Belgium with regards to rugby isn't the same thing as you know, if if someone played for England and youths in football or even in rugby, it'd be quite a bit more impressive, it, I think.
1: It's not like a cap, but it's like you've represented them. Like I, mm. I'd say it's sort of like that, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: But um so yeah, so we thought uh, a good way of kind of going through this this episode is is take it uh in like a chronological order so we just wanted to kind of firstly discuss um your kind of career uh, in rugby um so could you kind of take us through
2: it like up to now like take start, us through start it. to finish Yeah. uh yeah so i started in under sevens at the time uh so recently the the age groups have changed to even numbers in the past few years but previously there were uh, under sevens under nines under 11s and all that um so i started in under sevens uh, and my brother started roughly at the same time Um, i started in the same club that i'm in now so it's been now 16 years in the same club um yeah played you know all the all the youth rugby up until um under 18s in the same club during that time uh, i think in under 11s we won the uh belgian championships um in under 15s and in under 18s as well um so I don't have any any senior titles, but there were a few senior titles that were won uh just at the same time as us when we were in youths as well. Mm. So um yeah, we're in we're in a very strong club, very, you know, we might be having a bit of a dip at the moment, but it's been, you know, um, I think the club that has we I think we're the club that has the most titles at the moment. Um and yeah I mean, between the ages of seven and twelve ish there's nothing too interesting. Um, it's just you know it was just the you know the sport you play after school and that kind of thing. Um, and then yeah, uh, from under fifteens it started to get a bit more interesting. That's when I got my first cap well my first selections for the uh, um French speaking region of uh of Belgium uh which then moves on to become you know when you add the flemish region um you you get the national team so played technically uh a few games against different regional selections from France um played against some pro clubs uh in in France as well like racing metro and that kind of thing and then with the national team um yeah, the the actual national team games that I got uh, under that jersey were uh, against Switzerland and Holland uh, in a tournament. And that's pretty much, you know, where where it stopped. Um, that was under-17s, because under-18s is when I first uh, tore the ligaments in my shoulder. Uh, and yeah that was uh <laughs> a bit bit weird um because basically even from portugal where the european championships were taking place i was getting emails from the coach telling me to you know hop on the next plane um but i could i could hardly do like three push-ups so i wasn't really in any condition to be playing yeah um so yeah so that that was that was about it for um for the national team because I just sort of fell out of the, out of the loop um, and, you know, changing coaches and that kind of thing. You don't really know the players. There's no particular reason why they'd pick, you know, someone they don't know um, who hasn't been training with the national team for over a year as opposed to someone who has, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, fell out of the loop at that level. But otherwise... Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, the year after that uh, was uh, my first senior year, um, and I didn't expect much from it, Um, I expected to just, you know, play reserves for, for a couple of seasons, and then maybe start looking at playing the first team, and I ended up playing about four games, I think, in reserves, and then I ended up on the bench for the first team and then played the whole season with the first team. So I had, I had a lot of, um, you know, maybe kind of too much hype sort of around it being like one of the younger guys and just, you know, coming up and starting in the, in the first team. And then uh, my, like my shoulder ligament went out again and I kind of, disappeared for two seasons in a row, let's say. So like I played the first four games of one season and I was injured. Then I came back, played the first four games the following season and I was out again. And then now we've had last season where we only had five games before it was interrupted. And this season where we had one game. So it's been accumulating kind of uh, not particularly great seasons for you know, some factors related to me in the first two and factors that are completely external for the last two. Um, in terms of, in terms of sevens, yeah. Uh, in terms of sevens, it also started around, uh, under 15s, uh, started with, uh, tournament in Paris. Uh, and then, so this was with the Brussels sevens development team. Uh, Brussels sevens is a, uh, It's a setup that basically was based on two clubs. Uh, So this was Boisfort and uh, my club, Waterloo. Um, It was a selection to sort of get, you know, the best of the region and now it's extended to other clubs in in the region as well, of Brussels. Um, Yeah, so the idea was just to get in as many sort of international tournaments and, you know, as much sort of uh, experience as possible and yeah so it started with Paris then it was followed by uh, London and then I went to Dublin twice and then the last tournament that I did with Brussels sevens was in under 19s Uh, since it's a development team it stops at under 19s uh, and that was uh, the Dubai sevens actually so that was the the, I think one of the bigger trips um, that I've done with regards to rugby yeah no that sounds class um
1: when I shouted you out on the story, asking um, if uh, people had questions for you and I said, oh, you played a high level in rugby and you said that might be a push. I mean, it sounds like you've had an unreal career in terms of playing high level. I think you underestimate yourself a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree.
2: It's, it's, it's the youth part. The, the youth part, I won't, I won't deny, was was really uh, like huge, huge amounts of experience. It was, it was really, really great. And... Um, like even just like so we had loads of trips as well you know with uh with the club um you know we went to we went to Wales uh we had a partnership with the with the club in the region of Swansea uh called the Ospreys um and so you know we went to see their trainings and that kind of thing when we went to uh so we went to south africa as well uh we did a tour in south africa we 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 met the the sevens national team and that kind of thing um you know just really and we played against some 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 teams in every every country we visited we went to georgia as well um just uh france quite a few times as well and um, yeah it's it, honestly the the traveling part was was really was really fun and I was really happy to have that opportunity as well um and I was quite lucky to have my parents you know backing me in that sense and it it led me to a point where I was like okay well you know um John might you might remember it was basically like when I was in school that's what I was doing that was the next step was just get into an academy and go play pro you know that was that was the next step and Mm -hmm. I kind of got you know uh, it, it's the classic sort of like, you know, you know, the, the dad that shows up in the cargo shorts and he shows up and he's sitting <laughs> on the side of the pitch and he's like, Oh, I could have gone pro unless I didn't get <laughs> injured if I didn't do yeah. that kind of thing. But, but realistically, just, the injury happened at a bad time and I, you know, there was a, an absence of motivation or, you know, that kind of thing. I didn't, you know, uh, it took some time to get back from it and, The gap, like the window that you can that you have to get into an academy, is just given at a certain age, and you know that that window closed basically. Yeah,
1: similar to um, sort of like my main sport is football, and I know that like around the sixteen to eighteen age, that's sort of when your pro contract starts coming around, and yeah, it's it sounds similar to what you experienced. Um, but a question I have for you is um just taking it back to the start like uh who got you into rugby in the first place like what was your initial motivation was it your dad
2: uh no it wasn't my dad so my dad's belgian um my mum's irish so i'm i'm half irish and um i don't know it was just sort of like it seemed fairly you know it, it seemed to be part of the range of sports that were normal for you know a child according to my mom and so she she asked around uh cuz uh you know she asked one of her colleagues uh who she knew like she knew that that colleague played rugby um and she got a recommend, recommendation for a club and you know she got me to try it out and my brother was playing table tennis um in the sports hall right next to the rugby club and he'd, he'd come and wait, you know, at the, at the bar of the club and he'd, you know, watch the training from the, from the you know, from the terrace. Yeah. And he'd see that we're just, you know, running into each other, running into like tackle bags and everything. He was like, oh, okay, table tennis was done two weeks later. He was, <laughs> he was at rugby. So, <laughs> you know, no, so I think like- it was just my mum really just started, uh, got us into rugby just because she thought it was something that was fairly normal.
0: Yeah, would you say it's like a cultural thing? Like, um obviously coming from, from Ireland, like that's a massive sport. Like would you say that's that's kind of like a a factor that played, or was it just cause she asked around and what what seemed like the normal one?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean yeah, I have to I do have to say there was there was the cultural thing um with regards to like being Irish and all that, but uh, there was also, you know, when like, so I, I've always been quite big, especially as a kid, as a kid, I was actually always quite big and I was always the bigger kid and that kind of thing. And it's always tough to find a sport for the bigger kid. You know, it's just like, um, you know, a lot of the time, you, you know, you don't, you you look at the, at the formats of certain like football players or like that kind of thing. And you don't really feel like you can fit into that um and so like I've even done a few football trainings and I was just like ah you know like fine (laughs) like at best I could play centre back but I don't want to play centre back so I'm not training that's it I'm out
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. it kind of makes sense doesn't it um yeah I think a lot of people can relate to that like what kind of like made them kind of partake in the sport um yeah I think a lot of people listening can can relate to that but um I had the question for you like what would the specific, specific aspects would you say about rugby that you kind of appreciated the most so like is it like the physicality of it is it like the kind of teamwork involved what kind of what kind of things would you say
2: well yeah i think they they both play the, those two examples but like one thing that it did was um i was so soft when i was a kid I was like, honestly, like I was so soft, I, like even at, at rugby at the beginning, like I'd get a hit and I'd be I'd be like crying and stuff like that. And I I get so upset as if it was like, you know, not part of the game. And I'm seeing kids do it. You know, the kids that I'm coaching, I'm, I'm seeing them do it as well. But like what, what it, you know, uh, what it did is that I sort of got over that and it it makes you tougher. It makes you accept you know like hits and it makes you accept you know the fact that you are going to fall and that kind of thing and you know falling over knowing how to fall to like you know fall safely but also knowing that you just have to get back up anyway because that's the point of the game as well you know so it it, yeah I, I just I just like that aspect mostly um and it's not it's not only just because it's not like a mold of like oh you have to be a tough guy or whatever it's just really just i, I like the fact that it, that it sort of eliminated that um and you know it stop you know it stops you complaining just get get things done and then you know all all of it comes together you know you're you're doing it because of the team you're doing it because you want to to still be a valuable asset to the team um and if you're if you're on the ground doing nothing, then you're you know not being helpful at all. So, yeah, everyone's putting their body on the line for each other, and and that's, that's something that I really like. Yeah, like I I
0: really appreciate the the kind of team aspect of football. Like obviously my sport is football, and I I, I love competing in a team, uh, being a part of that kind of family. And I think in rugby is really a sport that's like everyone that's on that pitch is like your brother, like. You get hurt for them and i feel like that's like a kind of a big difference to to kind of football it's, it's like you're going to hand. war <laughs> exactly and american football is quite like that i feel like also like i know yeah, I, I know mean, yeah
2: that that there's there's big differences in between them but like i for like when i was younger i i'd get upset when people compared the sports um but i think that like their main their main differences is like you know the the actual playtime, you know, like rugby is a far more like endurance based sport. You have to take the hit, get back up, take the hit, get back up, go and go and go and go again. Whereas, you know, American football, it's very, very intense for very short minutes, you know, at a time. Um and you know it's that kind of thing. There's always like people with debates about like, oh yeah, which 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 hits are the hardest? Well, obviously, if you know you're playing twenty seconds, super intense, you've got far more energy to throw in a much harder hit, and that's fine. I'm like you know, not yeah. debating it. But the the truth is, they're very different. And on an eighty man roster, you know the the you know the connections between people might not be. As solid as on a twenty two player game sheet, you know, yeah, so
1: that's definitely an interesting i, don't know. Point. I think I
2: think yeah, yeah.
1: okay, um but um, I think I think let's uh, maybe talk about your position specifically, and i I feel like you should shed some light on it for me personally because rugby's not really my speciality, and uh, I think you play number eight, is that correct yeah, yeah, how demanding mentally and physically is that?
2: um well so number eight is the position that I sort of (laughs) hope for at best um but usually I'll be floating around the three positions in third row and third row is it's a pretty it's a pretty tough position in terms of like uh conditioning like you really need to you know go at it all the time. You're constantly defending. I think third row, yeah, third row is, is usually in terms of like stats is where the players will have the highest amount of tackles per game. Um, so you'll have the highest amount of tackles. You're always, 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 you have to be, you know, a pain in the arse. You have to be horrible for, for, for an attack coming across you. And you have to be able to create danger and, you know, um, add some speed despite being one or despite being part of the heavier players you still have to you know be dangerous and create speed in attack as well so it's it's a very you know diverse position um it's you know each each position each each position has its fair share of of work you know um first row tends to be you know quite heavier players um and they have, you know, all the work that they have to do with that weight as well. Um they're, you know, up front during a scrum. So they they take on, you know, a lot of weight uh from an opposing scrum and that kind of thing. So uh yeah, no, I think you know, there's there's value in each position, of course. Um yeah. and, and they're they're all important. Uh I'd say third row is one of the most physical positions uh, whereas if you were more in the backs it would be logically more considered as a more tactical or speed position.
1: Yeah you pick and choose like when when it's sort of your time to to go. No it definitely sounds like a physically demanding position for sure
0: so funny like we had to do like a um, what was it? Um sports science um, coursework last year yeah Yeah. Yeah. oh my god and we had so we had a case study and it was on uh, a young guy a young uh, rugby player um, getting ready for like um, (coughs) trials was it was it trials yeah yeah. England trials I think and we had to like break down like each uh, like sports science component so we talked about rugby biomechanics like what what movements were involved Uh, the physiology so like Uh, obviously like you mentioned like um it was for a winger that's what it was for winger yeah yeah, it was for a winger Mm -hmm. so like the intensity so like kind of looking at what distance they cover during games uh what speeds they reached um and honestly like it was actually i I learned so much from that module like i knew nothing about rugby um i I found it really challenging but but yeah like it it was actually quite interesting to, to kind of
1: learn about like learn more about it yeah a lot of the literature was reading it was like broken into the different demands of each position i don't know if you remember john and yeah that was uh the biomechanics though was oh it was so difficult (laughs) yeah it was horrible But it was interesting actually like the
0: demands are quite different uh within the team so you've got a guy that sprints up and down like hell and then the, the guys in the middle obviously they don't really like they get a lot of impact that's the kind of demands so i feel like the the injuries could be also kind of different uh, if you think about it. So like, yeah, that's the wingers, we as well. Yeah. yeah, the wingers can
2: have, yeah. I guess, a lot of hamstring injuries because they're obviously yeah. and hamstring and groin tears are quite common um, when it comes to wingers. Yeah, for sure.
0: So, talking about injury, let's talk about yours. So, what exactly was the injury, and how did it kind of occur?
2: Um. So yeah. the obviously it's the main injury that's been, you know, lingering, uh, the most, uh, and I'm sort of finally over it. And the, the fact that I've had these seasons without much ha- has actually been a, maybe a blessing in disguise. Cause it means that I've been able to rest it and also get stronger, um, off the pitch, uh, to, you know, make my shoulder a lot stronger and that kind of thing. So, you know the physios were quite happy with <laughs> with that when i came back to season to to see them after, at the beginning of uh so last season after two years out um but so yeah what what it was exactly was basically uh i don't really know the exact terms in terms of anatomy but uh just ligament running down here um snapped roughly at the level at the end of the collarbone actually didn't snap it tore about halfway through it um and so i was told that logically there was no operation because uh it was only a partial tear um and not a complete tear and the first ha- first time it happened um basically was just sort of poorly timed with regards to the european championships and uh but with regards to like our normal season it was in winter and I think I missed about one or two games and that's about it so uh, I I didn't really think that much of it I was a bit upset about the championships but but with regards to the season it didn't really I, I was like oh well it's fine it's just nothing it was like three months something like that um and then the second time it tore uh that was a little more severe It was a little deeper again, It hadn't properly recovered all the way, but I'd managed to play about a season with it uh, without it causing any problems. And uh, then I got, um, so a bit of bone tearing as well that ended up getting into the ligaments that was torn as well. Um, And then last time, the last time, you know, I, I felt it, Tear. I felt go again um and i didn't get it checked by a doctor. I got it checked by the physio, and he was like, yeah that's pretty much you know you know what's happened already, just you know you know step out again you you need to you need to step out and reinforce it correctly before before you come back another time so you know yeah uh, i learned I learned kind of the hard way that i was that I was rushing back to to training and to games um so yeah yeah.
1: in started. terms of like re- reinforcing it and um the, the fact that you kept coming back a bit early w- was there anyone like pushing you to come back or, or, or like what was the reason for you like in our injuries episode I talk about my injury and that um my best advice would be to be patient and to see a specialist like which did you have that specialist support from early or have you ever seen a specialist so
2: yeah so that's the thing is that so in terms of uh in terms of the club uh a lot of effort has been done now so we have a medical follow-up with a doctor and physios and that kind of thing um at the point where I had my injury what happened was we were in a sort of transition period between staff and all that we were just setting things up and um I had to sort of uh, the second time it tours is when I went to see a doctor and I like so I went I went to see the physios and I went to see the doctors in the hospital um but we didn't have a doctor like at the club um, so yeah no so so i didn't really i didn't really have the the pressure like the thing is that i was I, I was feeling the pressure of coming back just because you know i had I had these ambitions from you know, my sort of late teens, I had these ambitions to be playing at the highest level and it was still sort of within reach. You know, I could have potentially gone to to play somewhere else, you know, if I was still within a close-ish AIDS range, I could be looking at like an A team rather than a rather than a starting team, you know, playing like a reserves team somewhere, that kind of thing. I was really sort of focusing on that so I was like okay I need to get back to rugby as fast as possible because I'm losing you know precious time and yeah it just didn't really didn't really cut it so psychologically then for you like how did it make you feel when it was around
1: so you talked about that um, 17 age where you sort of need to like make your to get your pro contract or, or something along those lines to get that elusive contract
2: like how did that make you feel psychologically well the thing is that it was it was a strange kind of situation cuz uh, like our so winning the championships in in under 17s um it was it was such a perfect season so i was starting number 8 for the whole season um i was like i'd played a, i'd played a few finals before and that kind of thing and i went into the final of that season knowing that in about an hour and a half, we'd be, we'd be champions. Like that, that was it. Like that, there was no, the the possibility of losing it, that game, that one time is the only game that I was that confident for was that one as well. You know, we lost one game that season and it was in the first half of the season and we lost it by like, I think five points. Um, so, uh, I, I don't know. I felt I had a certain confidence at that, at that point, And I felt that, i was good enough so i was i was wondering sort of i didn't know when it was going to happen but i was sort of fairly certain it was going to happen and i'd had a few chats like i'd been put in touch with um with leinster uh and with connacht as well but that that was you know it was all stuff along the lines of like oh yeah hey, send us an email and we'll sort out a trial then you send them an email and they don't answer you you know so like, yeah. <laughs> i don't i don't really i d- I didn't really understand the motivation behind that sort of form of communication um but I also you know don't really question it that much because Ireland is a country that i think even compared to the u k like it like even it's like the u k as well you have such a large player base why would you be interested in bringing in this kid from Belgium you know that was that was really sort of what helped me reason through my my way through it
0: yeah like as you know sub, I sustained quite a serious injury myself um and I felt Mm -hmm. it quite challenging like psychologically um I don't know about you about your kind of experience with with injury like being away from a sport um did you kind of feel like frustrated or or even like during your rehab, for example, did you find it kind of uh, repetitive, boring, like challenging? Like, like tell me a bit more about like the,
2: the psych, the psych part. Like how did you kind of feel yeah. would you say? Yeah, I mean there were yeah, basically like honestly, like early on in terms of like the injuries and missing stuff and that kind of thing, there were a lot of intrusive thoughts along the lines of, well, like, you know, this is it, this is a sign. You're out, you know, like that it's done. (laughs) Is you're you're not, you know, you're not good enough to play rugby. If you were good enough, you wouldn't have torn this ligament, if that kind of thing. And, you know, you're also just putting in the hours in the gym and that kind of thing. And sometimes you just sort of question why you're still doing it. And you know, there there was a point where I was the second time that it happened to me, second and third time actually that it happened to me. I knew that I was never going to go pro and the chances of me even like, like starting for the first team in my own club now, um, they're fairly slim. So why I actually worked so hard to get over that hump, I don't really know, but I just felt that, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't have the rugby, um, it, it sort of, you know, felt like I was wasting my time uh sometimes so yeah I don't know um in terms of in terms of like treating the injury in terms of you know getting stronger and that kind of thing it does sometimes feel feel tedious and it feels like there were even times where honestly I was like ah well you know I won't go back to rugby um that's it you know like I was I was training in the gym at the rugby club uh, at first, and then I started going to like a public gym. Um, and then I was like, "Oh well, you know, that's it. You know, I, maybe I just won't go back because you know my friends aren't my 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 friends from the club. They're not checking on me, you know, right now. So that's it. Uh, r- rugby's over. Um, and then I don't know. I just I just went back to the club and just started training and didn't really didn't really think about it again so
1: yeah that was sort of going to be like my next point so like in terms of social support like what was your experience with like did anyone really support you and you talk about your rehab and a lot of it was you you talk about being in the gym a lot so were you sort of like isolated and alienated away from the team um or would you did your club like sort of incorporate you maybe into sessions and checking on you like
2: what, what was your social support like um well that's the thing is that i think that there's there's a bit of like a miscommunication between both ends so in terms of the club early on uh they were hoping that i'd be back you know within a matter of weeks so then at that point there's an interest in recovery and that kind of thing and you know that's that's fine but from like after a certain point when you're in the gym for like the third month in a row and the others are walking by you, uh, like, you know, inst- so I was going to the public gym, but then on the nights of training, instead of training on the field, I'd train at the club gym. Yeah. And so the others from the changing room would just walk past you and they'd see you and you just sort of feel that judgment of, Oh, you're still not back, you know? Um, yeah. and then, yeah, it just, it just feels a bit yeah I mean and then when I when I stopped going I didn't really hear back from anyone and so I didn't really feel much of a follow-up but again it was it was a bit of a strange transition phase because in terms of like staff and all that there wasn't the um there wasn't a medical follow-up that was that was particularly um in place uh which now is quite different and especially in terms of our physical prep and all that we have a lot of like preventive uh work in terms of like we have a, so we have a really really good guy um who's our physical prep coach now um very smart guy and he's um like he he he's always 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 learning like new ways and new things and you know fin like polishing up on on his knowledge and all that and so you know he's uh making sure that we do in you know parts of our warm up and parts of our um in parts of our physical like conditioning before in you know any actual rugby takes place he makes sure that things like details like strengthening your ankles and that kind of thing are done so that you don't um you know so that we can just avoid the silly injuries that take you out for like 2 3 weeks at a time yeah. You know so um no i'd say the stuff is a lot better now um but at the time there wasn't really much there and also uh like it is my fault as well because i decided like i decided to sort of tell them to fuck off i kind of kind of just like stepped back i was like ah you know i'm I'm out yeah. um screw this you know I, i've sure. had enough. Yeah. of always getting injured
1: yeah okay um so yeah that That sort of, uh, I sort of understand that. A lot of it correlates with like our injuries episode, uh, like a lot of what you're saying. But was there anyone specifically, maybe outside your club, who did support you and you felt were um, really important behind you, carrying on with your rehab and, yeah, just getting through it and returning to sport? Was there anyone specific? Um.
2: Yeah, I mean, not not that I can particularly say I think I think in my return to to rugby so last season not not this one um I was uh so my current girlfriend and I started seeing each other and it really like she really boosted me a lot um and like the things that I don't know maybe it's not it's not really like to blame you know uh someone else but previously I didn't have that kind of support in in my previous relationship um it was kind of like ah, oh, well oh you're not going to rugby all good you know just spend time with me yeah. <laughs> you know so um it was just sort of yeah yeah it was just well um so no I, I'd say I'd say my return to rugby in my in terms of like you know stepping back into it um and seeing you know my teammates that I hadn't seen in pretty much two years and feeling awkward and not wanting to go to training sometimes because I was like, oh, I feel like they don't like me and that kind of thing. Like working, like when I was working against myself in my own head, she'd tell me to still, you know, go to training, that kind of thing. So, you know, that was, that was something that did help at at some points, but, um, you yeah, know, in terms of, in terms of like when it came to dealing with my own injury I had to distance myself. I, I I felt what I needed was to distance myself so from my teammates and from, well, my girlfriend at the time, my, my previous girlfriend as well. I I had to I had to force myself to, to go to the gym, um, and that kind of thing, and and you know, step out of, of anyone else's circle, really.
0: Yeah, it's really weird that you actually had that kind of experience uh, in terms of social support. Uh from Azub so from the high level club you play that because you think they would like being the level they're at you think they'd put everything in place to to kind of support their players um and that's kind of maybe that kind of illustrates like what what like the state of sports psychology now and like mental health um like what it's like, like the perception of mental health and sports psychology in Belgium is like no one really kind of focuses on the emotions it's You've talked a lot about the yeah, physical no one part.
2: About it, really. Yeah,
0: you've talked. Like it, you, it's
2: yeah, not part of the discussion so much. It's it's you know oh we'll have we'll have fifteen physios if you want so yeah but you know maybe bring one <laughs> one yeah. psychologist. In, but you
0: know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even that's like the basics. I feel like like checking up with your players and even the players themselves like checking up with you. I feel like that's so, it's such an important part of the recovery process as well. Like you have the physical part, but personally from my experience i know how important the social uh, support part is i had tons of support from my uh, family um from my friends from my teammates and and it really helped me i'd say recover quicker mentally especially yeah um and you could argue also physically because it just pushed me to to, to put in the work you know uh during I mean... those physio sessions but yeah it's, for me it just shows the current state of of people's mentality in belgium you really don't focus on the mental side and people don't have that kind of awareness um but yeah i don't know what you think
2: no i mean in in terms of you know um a structural point of view let's say um my my family you know my my mum's always been there for me and that kind of thing and you know she she obviously doesn't you know like seeing me upset and, and that kind of thing by whatever it is but seeing me sort of churn through this whole oh yeah my dreams are crushed and all that and my injuries are you know ruining my chances and all that obviously she was she was always there but it was more of like a silent support so it was kind of things like you know it, it, it wasn't really like oh I'm there for you I'm helping you do this I'm helping you do that it was really um allowing me to have that independence so even when i was 16 17 um you know like staying at at training late staying in the gym as much as i wanted that kind of thing it was something that did help but but in terms of an actual like you know active presence maybe maybe a bit less so but um but now, in terms of in terms of opportunity, uh, I I wouldn't want to say that my mom does nothing for me. Of course, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Was, my point there was kind of like directed more towards the club uh, as opposed to your family. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm sure your family are lovely. Um, no, lovely no, of people. course.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, um, no, no, but that's yeah. the
2: thing. That's the things that it was. Uh, again, again, they were they were setting up at the time in a certain sense. So so now now we have you know like a, a more uh a staff that's that's more in place and that kind of thing and so like our our physical prep coach is, is again just brilliant um you know he takes into account like our workloads and that kind of thing in a way that like other coaches didn't before um and uh there's a bet like things are getting better um and certain clubs are maybe a bit better off in, in the regard of like a, you know, um, follow up in terms of injury, but, but things are getting better and they are better now than they used to be. And yeah. I think uh, it was a matter of time because I mean, you know, we, uh, the first time that I'd heard of sports psychology was, was when I went to Wales, we, we went to visit the the training camp uh in, Uh, at the the ospreys training camp and they were just like giving us a tour and they said right there that house there little house with the window that is where the players go they talk to like their psychology like to the team psychologist there's like there were three there's like a rotation of three team psychologists or something like that and i was like okay like i've never heard of this you know (laughs) so yeah and it was just something that's that's completely you know not not it's really uncommon here. Um, I've never heard of it in, in any club for any sport here. Yeah,
1: that's good that uh, things are improving, though, and uh, they're making those steps now. But uh, just to to move on to, like, your return to sport, how was, like, you feeling w- when you was returning to sport? Like, were you nervous or w- were you, like, back confident and feel, feel like you was going to be back 100%? Like, w- what was sort of that? And I, I think we should just go straight to, like... Um, when so say returning to sport now like after you've redone it a couple of times and now you've fully come back like how how are you feeling
2: now um well so (laughs) that's the thing is that at the at the time of like the first injury like I was I was like a far better rugby player than I am now so in terms of like actual rugby like skills and that kind of thing I was I was at it like all the time. So uh, I'd I'd be taking like my backpack to school and then also having my gym bag with me. And so I'd go straight from school to the rugby club and I wouldn't be home until about ten. Um, like and that was pretty much every day. And so you know, there was that constantly being in it made me you know maybe maybe that's what what it was that was like okay I I had more time, you know, bowl in hand, that kind of thing, more technical, uh, you know, training and that kind of thing. And so I think, uh, that's maybe what would have made me a better player at the time. And now coming back, uh, I, it, it, yeah, it's weird. Like, so I don't have the confidence anymore in terms of like my actual, you know, rugby, but in terms of my physicality and my endurance and all that I'm actually a better athlete all around and in in a certain sense so I'm I'm faster and I'm stronger than I was and I can you know in terms of like physicality like I, I I'm more capable of breaking through tackles and so the things that I had before let's say in terms of technique those things I'm you know working on just you know a little bit of ball handling that kind of thing like it's just uh, things that i'm working on to bring them back but um in terms of trusting my body i'm far more comfortable now than i was before um in terms of trusting my rugby let's say i'm not 100 percent confident um and you know whenever i mess up i beat myself up and whenever i yeah that kind of thing yeah, I, I I do I do I do feel like I kind of even if it's not the case, you know, I'll you know drop the ball and I'll sort of feel the glare <laughs> kind of around me, like oh yeah. I feel feel this huge pressure because I, I think I'm also putting that pressure on myself. But um no, I think it's 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 a balance and I'm back as you know a stronger, better athlete, let's say. Uh so that's, I think, uh, think yeah. it's worth it, and just taking time to to get back to where I was in terms of skills.
1: That's uh, definitely interesting. It sounds like you've yeah you've really took your rehab seriously. If you're you feel like you're a better athlete, like so you're not um, self conscious at all. Like going into tackles, like with not you you worried no. about reoccurring. No, that's
2: uh, that's, no, that's very no, good. No, not at all. Um, actually, but the things that I, I I was the first time around and then after <laughs> i think maybe the fact that like after the second time round i i i wasn't careful m- might have led to the third tear <laughs> um but but the thing is after that i spent pretty much like a serious like the first first year that i missed i was sort of like lazy but the second year that i missed i was just in the gym the whole time and i was just really really getting stronger and you know taking advice from like i know a few physios and that kind of thing that have been through the club that have previously been you know the physios for the team and uh and and some friends of mine that you know just now finished their degrees who were still studying at the time it's just like reinforcement things that i was adding to my workouts and that kind of thing and it just yeah uh it was a year of uh of pushing myself through it really and uh I was i put on quite a lot of muscle and it just sort of every hit like just felt fairly solid (laughs) so I just I just went with it and it you know it hasn't really caused me any harm again so
0: yeah it's interesting you say that because i kind of interviewed someone for my study last year so i did it on sports injury um for my dissertation for university and they actually said that they used the injury experience as a kind of opportunity to like bulk up and build muscle so we always have like a tendency to to kind of look at the negative aspects of injuries but there are i believe anyways from experiencing it uh, there are some positives to take away from it and and That kind of leads up to my my question to you is like psychologically especially so you talked about obviously building muscle etc like mentally do you think there's any did you take any benefits from from your sports injury
2: uh yeah I mean the thing is um one of the things that the gym does is it, it does create a certain level of like mental toughness as well you're forcing yourself through A certain level of pain to you know make yourself better and stronger and you know sometimes you're by yourself and you're working against yourself to you know sometimes you just don't feel like it but at the end of the day a day where you've done a sort of crappy workout you know like where you felt where you didn't feel great all the way through it one of, uh, one of those days is better than a day where you decided to skip it, you know, and you feel lazy and fat sitting in the couch, you know, like I just, I'd rather get through, I'd rather have a day uh, where I did an okay workout, where, where I did, yeah, like even a crappy workout than, than a day where I just didn't, and I'm not, I'm not talking about rest days, obviously, you know, like a rest day, you might feel like, oh, I feel like I could do something, but it's, it's a smart thing to, it's a smart choice to, to not, um, take part in in an activity that day or like some sort of active recovery, obviously, but, you know, overall it, yeah, no. So, so what the, the gym does is it creates this toughness to, you know, push yourself, um, and even just, you know, any reinforcement, if it's not particularly in the gym, um, And what it does is sort of, it sort of what it taught me a bit as well was the switching the balance from um, thinking, I I always thought, yeah, I need motivation. I need motivation. When I was younger, it was always, you know, those videos that like you're like listening to, it's like oh motivation. It's like, yeah. yeah. But at the end of the day, like if the motivation is not there, you're like, ah, I won't do it. You know, no, the point is sort of switching The focus onto consistency rather than just depending on on the motivation all the time
0: yeah i kind of resonate uh on your point about like i guess mental toughness so you kind of like build that kind of mental toughness uh thanks to your injury um i kind of also felt that i appreciated things i i used to like i didn't initially so like my injury experience made me look at things that i thought were a problem before um, in totally totally different light. So, I don't know about you. If you, you kind of had that, um, and and I felt like I kind of grew as a person also, and my injury experience kind of helped me become more empathetic with people that are kind of going through a similar experience. If you know what I'm saying, so th- there's that level of you can relate to someone that's kind of going through through something. And I and I think for the person being injured, it can be super useful. Um, yeah, just knowing that someone's experienced it already like having that type of role model you know um to look up to and and i feel like that's that's really important for like the like return to injury and during the injury process um but yeah
1: that uh mental toughness you talked about and, and, and the stuff you learn from the gym is that translated into anything any other areas in your life
2: um yeah i mean maybe not well I hadn't I hadn't really thought about it that much but I mean you know it's it's just a, a certain level of resilience you know it's taking taking advantage of of opportunities a bit more maybe you know like things like now I'm, I'm more uh, into into coaching and that kind of thing than I was before and you know it's it Sometimes it sucks, you know it's like ah it's it's freezing cold it's raining and i I don't want to do this um and you know no it it does it does involve a little a little bit of resilience, and I think you know um it's just sort of yeah uh, it comes from the fact that maybe i'm a bit more grateful to to still be able to do these kinds of things you know um i can i can still go onto the pitch even if it's just a coach that kind of thing i can still i can still do it and there's a certain level of of gratitude um for it um and yeah i I just make yeah it just just feels sort of more worth it let's say (laughs) yeah yeah definitely
0: yes really cool points you pointed out there and i did have a question so if there was someone in front of you right now that went through what you went through in terms of injury what kind of
2: advice would you give them um in fairness, I think that you need to you know take into account a lot of factors um and things for me weren't uh, i think yeah one one of the main things is that it, it sometimes goes further than just a crap day or a shit day you're 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 really you know it's like oh oh it's fine there'll be bad days no one tells you that there might be shit months you know you're going through it not and like it's like pathetic fallacy it's raining for a whole month you can't be arsed to go to the gym you don't want to do anything you, you know you you're tired all the time you hate it and you know your friends aren't even checking in on you and so you start questioning everything you do and your friends are like oh you know, like they they don't even take the time to check in on you. So you're like, oh, well, why would they? And, you know, you start, you know, diminishing yourself and all that. And I think, I think there's, yeah, I think there's, uh, there are a few understatements in terms of sometimes how long some tougher periods can be. But in the end, uh, obviously it's, you know, you're not going to, leave yourself in the state that you're in just because you know you you can't just stop your life where it is there I mean whatever your next step is even if it's not uh moving on you know like my my goals were to go on to to you know an academy and developing you know better a better level of rugby to, to then become potentially pro the fact is I wasn't going to live my life sort of not not lifting things with my right arm and just doing everything with my left hand you know like at the end of the day you still need to be need to be functional you need to be healthy and you need to be you know as good as you can be for yourself and more than than just that one objective you might have had yeah Uh, no, yeah, that's
1: uh, some some good advice, and uh, yeah, definitely things I'd take out of that is like having a positive outlook and, and looking beyond the injury and, and just trying to stay positive, have that patience. But um, a, po- a point you brought up just before, and I feel like it's a good a good time to move on, is to um, you being a coach uh, alongside playing, obviously, um, and like maybe just tell us a bit more about that. So, so what made you start coaching? Like, what was the motivation behind
2: it? um well when it started I was about 16 or 17 I don't remember exactly but it was so it was in the club that I was that I'm playing for and the main idea was just that um I wanted to you know help out so I was very active in terms of like the club so whenever there were events or that kind of thing I'd I'd help out and 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 stuff like that you know um so I just wanted to be involved in the club life um And also, yeah, mainly the fact that I'd had coaches that, you know, had been really good for me. And, you know, I wanted to be able to do that for for some kids. And the thing is, actually, now one of the coaches that I coach with in um, is my coach from when I was roughly that age. So um, I'm now coaching with my coach and um you know he's he's still just as great you know he's he's still bringing a lot to these kids lives and um i just feel like it's it's pretty pretty good if i can if i can do something similar Mm.
0: okay i've got a challenging question for you it's okay if you don't answer it but What's the most challenging scenario you've faced so far in your in your coaching career? What's the most difficult in coaching? Thing yeah, in coaching. Um. You can honestly, take your time. It was,
2: I think, yeah. No, I think. I think the thing is. Um, for St. John's, it's been fairly smooth there's not really been any any real issues apart from like some students just they just don't show up like I've had I've had a training session in pre-season where I just had two students um but there's always some sort of reason it's like oh there's mock exams going on at the moment or something like there's always something um no I think I think the um it comes back to the like the the you know crying as soon as you get hit kind of thing uh like stepping over that like seeing sort of seeing myself in a kid that was like you know whining about something that's not really something to whine about the fact that I got maybe upset about it I was like oh stop being like stop being like that and I realized that you know um my dad was kind of like that (laughs) um you know feeling that same thing I think that uh I think that might have been one of the tougher parts. And, but now I, I've learned to sort of deal with it. And a lot of the time, you know, you can just, most of the time what works is you just pick the kid up and just, you know, pop them outside for a minute. Like leave them with another coach for for like a few minutes and they're perfectly fine. So, <laughs> Like yeah, do when you talk about it.
1: like seeing yourself in these young, young players and things that you've done, are there any like psychological qualities that you look for in your players, or or you try to install in your players uh, that you feel are essential, like uh, in rugby, like resilience? Like we kind of talk about resilience,
0: communication, communication, team yeah. communication, like stuff like that. Would you say?
2: Yeah. So it's just it's in the it's in the details. Really, it's just in the in the uh, attitudes. Really, uh, you just sort of look at you know uh, just. If, if a player is looking for his teammates when he's playing or if he's playing by himself, um, sometimes on a simple drill uh, where the player is given an option to go and score by himself or pass the ball, it's just like a two-on-one, you know, an attack. Um, most of the time, you know, like you'll have a kid that'll sort of try and throw a dummy and then go and score. Um, and the defender will have followed them. They'll still score. But the reason that, you know that happened is just because they had no other option in mind than to go and score. They were like, "Oh no, I'm going to score. Nothing else is going to happen. Like it doesn't matter. I don't care that they scored. Like to me, that ha- that adds no value to the actual training. The fact is that I wanted them to think about the possibility that they had to um, that they had their their teammate with them. Um, so the fact that if they go and score by themselves is because they had the option to give it out to their teammate, um, and the defender anticipated it, went to the teammate. So then they're free to go and score by themselves. But you know, it's just trying to eliminate maybe the the sort of selfishness um, from from certain players. Um, yeah. But the thing is that it's it's been a bit tough as well because this is the first year since we've we've set up the club again. Uh, and they haven't actually had any int- interactions with other teams so the fact that they're always with the same guys uh they might you know they- there's a lot of lessons to be learned from from interactions with other teams as well
1: yeah okay yeah that's uh so something i got from that was like um so uh improving like teamwork and then um reducing selfishness um but But now we'll move on to uh, our Q&A section. So as you know, I asked our uh, Instagram um, followers on our social media accounts as well, uh, if they had any questions for you. And we've picked off some of the favourites that we got. Um, And me and John will go one by one asking you a question and we look forward to your responses. So, um, I'll go first. Um, What's the difference in standard from like the UK so i don't know if you've ever played in the uk but um the standard from uk rugby to like belgium
2: level rugby um i don't know cuz so the only thing that i've done in the uk is so we played against uh some teams in wales and i played some sevens in london um i just know that there's a division in terms of like uh school rugby and club rugby in the UK whereas school rugby pretty much doesn't exist here um so the the school that I coach in is an international school and so their championships are um are in between international schools um so from from other countries so um if you yeah, got to shed too I, much light on it then that's fine. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, just, there's just a big division between like schools in the UK, um, and that kind of thing. Like a lot. So I, I saw a documentary about this actually, and um basically the UK is a system that uh, you know, like if you're if you get into a certain school, your chances of getting in to an academy or into the you know that kind of thing, they're a lot higher. So it's 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 a lot. It's based on a lot of standards, um in Belgium, we're not at a level where, where rugby is professional. So um, the thing is, it's, it's a bit, uh, it's not really comparable in that sense because there isn't as much going into it. Uh, And the thing is our national team is comprised of players that are playing in France, but also some players that play in quite a few like random clubs, like all over the country here. So it's, it's, fairly balanced um yeah but that's about all i can say about it
0: yeah the structure seems so different like here you can find guys like you said like playing really high level in france and then guys playing like in the middle of nowhere and yeah that's that the dynamic could be really interesting actually like when they all come to, to like national team trainings and when they when when they're in that Like kind of international duty like I wonder what the dynamic is like if there's like egos or you know I don't know but um
2: yeah um I mean I've I've seen a few of the trainings for the national team um yeah I mean yeah I I don't know I don't really know the dynamic really because I'm not really in the chat you know um but I think that in terms of like the in terms of the team getting along it, uh, it's never really been a problem no nah, i'm sure not belgians are friendly aren't they suddenly <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um okay so <laughs> the next question is are there any transferable skills you think uh you kind of transmitted from your playing career to your coaching do you think then you like um... things you kind of brought up
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, stuff like stuff like um, ball handling and and you know like any dexterity training or even just uh, just reaction time and hand-eye coordination that kind of thing. It's very helpful, especially for kids. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's that stuff that uh, my coaches brought me. I, I've had I've had a series of you know okay coaches and some really exceptional coaches and um and they've they've all you know brought at least something so um and
0: and psychologically what would you say so you've kind of experienced some like a few setbacks like during your career is there anything you'd say like that kind of helped like that you take from those experiences and kind of trans like transfer to your coaching you know like is there anything you talked about resilience? I kind of, I, I guess you kind of answered this question already. Um, so the, the one I asked about, if you have, if you have any like advice for someone that's kind of going through what you're going through. Um, but yeah, I was just, I was just curious. Maybe there isn't like anything so specific, like psychologically. But yeah, I was just, no, I was just curious I mean, to
2: know. Yeah, uh, I think, I think there's just a, a question of patience. I mean, the thing is you know <laughs> time's going to keep passing and you know like the the international school kids that I that I've had um they haven't had their championships So the ISSTs have been canceled because um because of covid um so for 2 years in a row now so you know it's it's difficult to have any sort of motivation when there's no you know end game there's no (laughs) there's no real points you know you're training for the sake of what you know you you don't you don't know what you don't know what's coming next and you know maybe by the time you finish high school you you won't play rugby again afterwards maybe you know maybe that's a decision you're going to make so um I think yeah it's just it's just a sort of sort of stay hopeful in a certain sense and and that's about it really Okay, yep. so uh, the last question from our uh, audience, that so we, we feel
1: it was quite funny when we got asked it. So someone told us specifically to ask you, make him talk about the worst sidestep he's been on the end of. Should be fun.
2: Do
1: you know the someone who would have asked that? <laughs> do, you, do you know someone um, who would have asked that? I do not know. Oh, don't
0: say that. We know. It. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> what, that's it? what they all say. Ron, who is it? It was someone called Raphael. Oh, okay. Wait, I didn't but, know. I wouldn't say he, the Instagram account. I'll just say the first okay, the okay. name. But, well,
2: the thing, chances are he might, he might, he might not have one particularly in mind. But uh, I know that I have, I have one teammate who, in training, probably would have done me about a hundred times. Um, he, he. Probably, I don't think he'll, he'll be able to to play much anymore he's had he's had quite a serious series of injuries but honestly one of the most vicious sidesteps ever um and like the thing is that he he played so he he'd been playing since the age of four and he's a year older than me um and he really just had an incredible sidestep and the thing is that he had sort of one preferred direction and after a few years you know after even 10 years of playing together uh you'd sort of come to expect the direction he'd prefer and then he'd just switch it up on you last second and anyway so yeah
0: okay don't mean to tell you the account name so i'll just tell you the account name i'll probably beep it out if it's if it's sensitive like i don't know so the name is how do i delete this yeah yeah
2: no i I talk to him all the time (laughs) yeah yeah
0: (laughs) yeah pretty confused when we got that so we really wanted to know what what that was about but um
2: but yeah <laughs> no I didn't, I didn't i don't have one in mind particularly but uh yeah,
1: you'll have to take you know, it over
2: them. them yeah yeah, yeah my album,
1: <laughs> <but> i'll talk <laughs> all right well um i feel like that's a good place to uh, wrap up um so that's all the questions we have for you um thanks for joining us and um sharing your thoughts and experience with, experiences with us um yeah we've really enjoyed it um we hope you guys have enjoyed this episode uh if you could please share this with your friends or someone you feel will benefit from it and most importantly like subscribe and comment uh, anything you found interesting in this uh podcast something you took away from it and uh comment down below any topics you'd like us to cover in the future or any guests you'd like us to have on as well uh, so thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you in the next one see you guys